KMTT, כי מציון תצא תורה. שיעורים for this month, month of Shvat, are being broadcast לעילוי נשמת הרב אברהם יצחק בן חיים יהודה, אנכון ראובן בן משה חיים. Today's שיעור is dedicated in honor and לעילוי נשמת חנה בת רבי אברהם יחיאל מיכל עליה השלום, whose your side falls on י"ד שבט. יהי זכרה ברוך. שיעור פרשת השבוע will be given this week as usual by הרב חנוך וקסמן. This week, פרשת יתרו, I would like to discuss the פסוקים immediately preceding the revelation of the Aseret HaDibrot of the Ten Commandments. פסוקים that might be thought of as problematic both in terms of their content and in terms of their placement uh, as well. In order to understand uh, the problem uh, vis-à-vis these psukim uh, that precede the Aseret HaDibrot, I would like to begin a bit further back in the text, to be precise, in Perak Yutet, Pasuk Yudzayin, uh, where the Torah begins to tell us the story of the build-up to the revelation of the Ten Commandments. And we're told there in Paragitet Pasuk Yud Zayin uh, as follows. So Moshe brought the people out from the camp towards God, towards the mountain. And they stood at the bottom, at the foot of the mountain. And the entire mountain of Sinai was, was smoking, was uh, filled with smoke. Because God had descended upon the thin fire. Now, the Torah here gives us the story of the sights and the sounds of Sinai, the smoke, the fire, of course, the sound of the shofar. The Torah details for us how Moshe spoke and God answered with the blast of the shofar. And finally, summing up this small section in Pasuk Kaf, the Torah says as follows, V'ered Hashem al-Har Sinai, God descended onto the mountain of Sinai, al-Roshahar, to the top of the mountain. V'yikra Hashem al-Moshe al-Roshahar, and God called Moshe to come up to the top of the mountain, Vayal Moshe, and Moshe went up. And apparently, after the people have been brought out to the mountain, after uh, the, the sights and sounds of Sinai have been described, after we are told that God has descended, and Moshe has, so to speak, ascended to the top of the mountain to meet him, one would think that we are prepared at this moment to hear the Aseret HaDibrot, and that is exactly what we expect. Yet at this moment, a very interesting dialogue takes place between God and Moshe, which brings us to Parakitet Pasuk Kaf Aleph. God says as follows, Vayom HaShem El Moshe, well, the Torah says as follows, Vayom HaShem El Moshe, read, go down, Ha'ed Baham, warn the people, Pen Yehersu El HaShem Lirot, God informs Moshe to descend the mountain, commands Moshe to descend the mountain, and to warn the people, lest they break forth or surge forth to see uh, the revelation of God, and many of them will die. And God goes on to point out, not just the people, but in Pasuk Kafbet, and likewise the priests, or the group of priests, those who serve as priests, who are accustomed to coming close to God, they too, itkadashu, they too should stay separate, or they too should stay back. Um, and God delivers this warning to Moshe. Now, in response, in Pasuk uh, Kafbet, Moshe responds. There's a kind of dialogue that happens here between God and Moshe. 
And the Torah tells us the following. Wait a second. The people are not going to uh, go up onto Harsinai. Harsinai. God, you've already warned us. You've already, so to speak, given testimony. Um, Moshe is, in fact, uh, somewhat uh, surprised uh, by God's warning uh, or God's command to tell the people to stay back and not search forth. Because Moshe points out that, wait a second, um, there's no chance that the people are going to be oled, that they will ascend, onto the mountain, because uh, you have already testified or told us uh, to to limit the mountain, to be distant from the mountain, and to make it separate or to make it holy. And of course, this is in fact correct. Um, previously, um, Moshe, so to speak, had been commanded by God already regarding the people going up on the mountain or the prohibition of the people going up on the mountain or regarding um, the need to, to limit things or to be distant from the mountain. Um, back in Parakutet, um, Pasuk uh, Yud Aleph, God begins to command the commandments that precede the build-up to uh, the revelation of the Ten Commandments. And Parakutet, Pasuk Yud Aleph says as follows, Moshe, etc., etc. And um, then God says that on the third day I will descend upon the mountain. And in Pasuk Yud Bet, um, God says as follows, the language of limitation, to make a gvul, to make a border around the mountain. Do not go up on the mountain. So um, we might say that Moshe is surprised and justifiably surprised uh, regarding God's command to warn the people to make limitations and not to ascend upon the mountain, because this already has taken place, this already has been done. Um, now, nevertheless, as we return to our verses and we go on, um, God uh, speaks again in Pasuk Kafdalid, Perikitet Pasuk Kafdalid, Vayomer Elav Hashem, and uh, God said to Moshe, uh, Lech reid va'alita. Go down, and you will come up again later on. Um, and he reiterates at the end of the pasuk there. Va'am al yersul alot Hashem pen yifrotzbam, but the people will not ascend. And then, of course, Moshe uh, toes the line. Pasuk kafe va'ered Moshe la'am ve'malehem. In short, we have here in these four pasukim, pasuk kaf alif through kaf he, a dialogue between God and Moshe, a kind of back and forth where first God warns, tells Moshe to warn the people again, or to command the people again, to limit themselves, to stay back from the mountain, to not surge forward, to not go up upon the mountain. Second, Moshe then responds to God and expresses surprise, because after all, this has already taken place. They have already been warned regarding limiting or making a border around the mountain or ascending upon the mountain. And third, God reiterates, and fourth, of course, Moshe carries out the command. Um, now, this, as I said, um, is a bit of a difficult parsha because it seems that we have here a, a slight difficulty of surprise. And the surprise is in terms of the content, and the surprise comes into play um, in Moshe's reaction. What simply Moshe responds to God is, this isn't really necessary to give the warning or the command regarding limitation and the prohibition to ascend the mountain to the people, because it's already been given. So Moshe is surprised, and I think we also need to be surprised the same way that Moshe is surprised. Um, yet, I think there's, there's more to it than this, because I think the surprise is not just in terms of the content of God's command, but I think also in terms of 
the placement of the parsha, the placement of these four verses of, of dialogue. If we go back to Perak Yutet, Pasuk Kaf, the last verse preceding the dialogue that we are discussing, I think this becomes readily apparent. Again, in Perak Yutet, Pasuk Kaf, the Torah tells us as follows. Vayered Hashem al Har Sinai, El Roshahar, um, so God descends upon uh, the mountain, Vayikra Hashem Moshe El Roshahar, and he calls Moshe, obviously, to come up to the top of the mountain to greet him where he is or to meet him where he is, Vayael Moshe, and Moshe goes up. So, we have reached the point of meeting. God has descended, Moshe has ascended, they are together at the top of the mountain, Vayael Moshe, and in the very next verse, as the dialogue begins, Vayomer Hashem El Moshe Reit, God says to Moshe, go down. God, so to speak, reverses things here. If before Moshe had been commanded to come up to greet him, now he is told to, to go back down. At the last minute, there's a kind of hesitation, a movement backwards, a kind of reversal, a kind of shying away uh, from the giving of the Aserat But We are expecting them now that the two of them have met at the top of the mountain, and yet, at that instant, there's a turn back, a pullback, a hesitation, Lech Reid. And in fact, our entire parsha uh, is a parsha. These four psukim are a, a parsha of lech reid, of go down, um, because it begins with vayom Hashem Moshe reid. God said to Moshe, go down, and it ends in parak yutet pasuk kafei vayered Moshe la'am vayom and Moshe went down and told them. So the four verses of dialogue between God and Moshe are bracketed on both sides by the going down, and the going down is kind of the opposite of the coming up of Moshe to receive the Aserit Adibroth. And the question is, why the hesitation? Why the pullback at the last minute? Why the kind of insertion of this strange conversation at the last minute, right before the giving of the Aserit Adibroth? What precisely is this parsha uh, doing here? And I think that's another kind of issue of surprise, the surprise of placement that we'd like to try to talk about a little bit. Now, some of the parshanim do discuss uh, this dual problem of surprise of content and surprise of placement. And one might say that overall, they take a relatively practical approach to resolving the problem. Um, the general idea being is that somehow or another, at this point in time, there's a necessity to reiterate the warning or to expand the warning. And therefore, because there's some sort of practical necessity to either reiterate the warning to the people not to go up upon the mountain, uh, or there's a need to expand uh, the warning. In the variation of Ibn Ezra, the focus of the warning here is on Lir'ot, that the people should not just not ascend the mountain, but they should also not even look at, directly at the presence of God. And there's a kind of additional element to the warning, an expansion of the warning from physical movement to actual glancing and seeing, and therefore the warning needs to be said at this point in time. And even though the Aserat of Debrot are about to be given, and Moshe is already at the top of the mountain, ready to receive uh, the Ten Commandments, still, at this moment, the warning must be given, he must ascend and give it, and this is kind of the overall practical approach of both of Sajigon and Ibn Ezra um, and others. Uh, I would like to, however, explore a, a different approach um, to the problem, one which might be thought of uh, as a bit more formal, uh, one which is, or less practical, one which is perhaps connected to the language of the parsha that we are discussing, to the language of the four verses, kaf aleph through kaf hey, um, of the dialogue uh, between God and Moshe. Um, I think it's very interesting to, to follow through the language, and I'd like to return to the text again uh, to try to, to do so. Let us pick it up in Parakutet, Pasuk Kaf Aleph, where the dialogue begins. 
ויאמר השם אל משה, raid, go down, ha'ed ba'am, etc. Well, as pointed out previously, um, the idea of descent, or the term descent, is a key factor here, or a key feature of the parsha. Uh, it begins with um, God's command to Moshe to descend, to go down. As we move along, um, of course the purpose is to go down and warn the people, etc. We move along, let's jump to Pasuk Kaf Gimel, um, where Moshe uh, responds to God. Vayomer Moshe HaLashem, Lo yuchal ha'am la'alot el har Sinai. Oh, there is no danger that the people will surge forth to see, etc., because they cannot go up uh, upon Har Sinai. Because you commanded us, saying, limit the mountain and sanctify it and be separated from it. So we have here is, first, the idea of raid descent, and second, the idea of la'alot, the opposite, ascent, to go up. Uh, well, then God speaks again in Pasukaf Dalid, Vayomer elav Hashem lech reid. God reiterates, oh, go down again. Vaalita. Oh wait, and then you will come back. So we pay careful attention to this. The terms, the terms that mean opposites of each other, raid for descent and aliyah for ascent. They seem to they seem to um, occur in intervals here or um, interspersed with each other. And the pattern here is an A B A B pattern. First the raid, then the aliyah, then the raid, then the aliyah again. And as we move through the parashah, the pattern is not maintained, in this short span of four psukim, each one of these phrases, the stem raid, meaning descent, and the stem aliyah, meaning ascent, the opposite, each one occurs three times. So what we have here is a parashah of Yeridava aliyah, um, which I think in and of itself is interesting. Now, what's very interesting, or even more interesting about this, is that this, of course, fits in or integrates our small parsha of dialogue with the larger corpus of uh, Perak Yutet. What I mean by this is, overall, on some plane, Perak Yutet, the story of the build-up to the revelation at Sinai, can be thought of on the linguistic plane, on the literary plane, as a parsha, as a segment of... Um, um, for example, or what do I mean by this? Let us uh, take a look towards the beginning of the parsha, or near um, the beginning of the parsha. Parakidet, Yutet, Pasuk Bet. After being told that it's the third month, and Bnei Yisrael come to Midbar Sinai, Parakidet, Pasuk Bet, tells us as follows. Vayisu Merfidim, and they traveled from Merfidim, Vayavu Midbar Sinai, Vayachanu, Bimidbar, etc., and the next, the very next verse, Pasuk Gimel, Moshe Allah El Ha'elo Kim Ve'ikra'i Lav Hashem Minahar, etc. How does the parsha, or how does the actual narrative begin? It begins with Aliyah, with Moshe going up uh, onto the mountain. On some level, uh, the entire parak of Parak Yutet is about Aliyah, it's about going up. And if one would bother to count uh, from the beginning of the parak, the stem Ayin, Lamed, Hey, or some variation uh, upon it, depending on how you count, appears either seven or eight times throughout the entire Parsha. Well, likewise, uh, Parakitet overall is not just the story of Aliyah Ascent, it is also a story of descent, of Yerida. The stem Yerida also appears quite prominently throughout the story. Just to cite uh, one example in addition to some of those we've already noted, we take a look in Parakitet, Pasuk Yudchet, um, in the description of the pyrotechnics uh, that occur upon Har Sinai, we're also told the rationale uh, for the pyrotechnics. Parakutet Pasyutchet, Vahar Sinai Ashan Kulo, 
and Har Sinai was filled with smoke, because of the fact that God had descended upon it in fire. Etc. So, of course, the pyrotechnics, the smoke and the fire, these are, of course, just the, the outer manifestation of the presence of God because God has descended. God ha- has been yoreid upon Har Sinai. And again, the story here of Paragyatet is a story of, of descent of Yerida. And again, if we would count these things, um, the stem, Yud Resh Dalid, meaning descent, appears seven times throughout the, uh, the Parak. So Paragyatet can be thought of as a story of Aliyah and Yerida. And in this sense, the short dialogue found towards the very end of the Parak, immediately preceding Aserat de Brot, Paragyatet, Pasuk, Kaf Al through Kaf Hay, with its additional, uh, or with containing three of those uh, seven or eight respective Yerida Aliyah usages, fits into the linguistic framework of the Parak quite nicely. Now, this linguistic framework is not, sim- is not of course, simply a, a, a mere matter of style. I think it also fits in conceptually quite nicely to what the Perak is about. The Perak is, in fact, about the build-up to the revelation uh, at Sinai. Well, what is the revelation at Sinai? It is kind of a meeting between God and the people, God and the Am, and, so to speak, it takes place uh, in this intermediate ground, this mountain, which is somewhere in between the space, kaviachol, so to speak, of God, and the space of the people. And there's a need for both Yerida and Aliyah for the meeting to take place. So to speak, God descends, um, and the people ascend. Uh, and by having the two sides move towards each other, that's how the meeting, which is the definition of revelation, takes place at Sinai. Or to phrase it a little bit differently, revelation is the synthesis of the upper and the lower realms, of the Elyonim and the Tachtonim. And as a synthesis of the two, it requires both Yerida, the movement of the lower realm, of the upper realm somewhat into this world, and it requires Aliyah, the movement of the lower realms upwards, in order for revelation to take place. So I think the, the linguistic symbolism here is quite appropriate for um, the Parsha here. Uh, now, how does this help us? Well, so far not so much. And I think in order to puzzle things through, in order to return to our issues of surprise uh, in the dialogue between uh, God and Moshe, which finishes off the parak, I think we need to make another point about Aliyah and Yerida, about ascent and descent uh, in the parak in the, in the chapter. Now, if we think about it, um, there are quite a few different actors uh, in the scene of Parak Yutet. There are quite a few different characters. And we might say that there are three characters, in fact, um, in the drama of Parakutet. One character, uh, or one main player, is, of course, God, HaKadosh uh, Baruch Hu Hashem. A second uh, main player is the Am, is the people. And the third player, and perhaps the most central one in, in some sense, is Moshe. And what's very interesting is that the key language of Aliyah and Yerida, of ascent and descent, maps out differently vis-a-vis uh, the different players vis-a-vis uh, the different actors. And I'd like to explain what exactly um, I mean by this. Um, regarding God, regarding Hashem, the only one of these two stems, the only stem of these two which appears, is the stem for Yerida. Uh, for example, in Perak Yutet, Pasak Yutet, Perak Pasak Yutet, we already read it before, but it's worthwhile again. So, God descends upon the mountain, and the term descent is only is the only one used vis-a-vis God. 
God descends upon the mountain quite a few times throughout the parak. Um, likewise, similarly, uh, regarding the people, the marker of Aliyah uh, only, is the only one that appears uh, for the people. The people, in fact, are only told to ascend or not to ascend, depending upon the case, but it's always the stem, Ayin Lamed Hay, ascent that is used to describe the movement or non-movement of the people. Uh, for example, in Perakutet, Pasuk uh, Bet, uh, the first command uh, to limit and to form a ring, a border around the mountain. Uh, Moshe is told to tell the people in Perigitet Paskibet, Vigbalte et am saviv lemar, he shamru lachem, and you should limit the mountain or make a border around the mountain, he shamru lachem alot bahar. Be very careful not to go up onto the mountain. Unagor bekateu, vichulei, etc., etc. And then Towards the end of that, the people are told when they actually can ascend upon the mountain. Um, towards the end of Pasuk after the uh, horn has sounded, then once the uh, events of Har Sinai are over, then the people would have permission to go up upon the mountain. But really, more or less, overall throughout the parak, um, vis-à-vis the people, only the marker of Aliyah, of ascent, appears vis-à-vis the people. Now, what is true of God and what is true of the people is not, in fact, at all uh, true of Moshe in the Perak. Vis-a-vis Moshe, both stems appear. Moshe is depicted both as Yored and both as Ole, as, as, as being Ole, both as going up and both as going down. Um, for example, in Perak Yutet, Pasuk Gimel, at the very beginning of the chapter, Moshe went up, um, onto the mountain. So Moshe is depicted as going up often and in a few other places as well throughout the parak. And of course, as we should be aware um, from the latter part of the parak, from the segment uh, of dialogue, uh, Moshe is depicted as going down, but we don't even need to go that far. Take, for example, in Parak Yutet, Pasuk Yudalid, um, when Moshe, so to speak, descends to the people to give them or to give over the instructions that God has commanded, Vayered Moshe minahar ala'am. Moshe went down from the mountain to the people. Am. So Moshe descended. So unlike God who only descends upon the mountain, unlike the people who are commanded not to go up or sometimes told that they can go up, um, so to speak, Moshe has both functions. He both descends and he both ascends. Now, I think this is not particularly surprising because this duality of ascent and descent, this kind of back and forth is quite fitting for Moshe's overall role in the parak, what might be thought of as his role as mediator um, in the, in the parak. And what I mean by this is that we need to go back to uh, the beginning of, of the chapter to realize that there's kind of a stage of negotiation uh, that um, happens at the beginning of, of the chapter as part of the build-up to the revelation at Sinai. And, and to note the role of Moshe uh, in this mediation or in this negotiation um, that takes place uh, as part of the build-up to the revelation at, at Sinai. If we take a look in Perakutet, uh, Pasuk um, Hey, uh, almost an arbitrary point, but one that I think is important to look at, um, a place where God comes or tells Moshe, Moshe is now up upon the mountain, God tells Moshe his, his proposal. Um, and if you're going to listen to me, and you will uh, keep my covenant. Um, so Moshe God makes the following proposal to B'nai Israel: if you will listen to my voice 
and uh, you will keep my covenant, you will then be special to me from all the nations, because I am, so to speak, the master of all. And then again, God reiterates the remainder of the offer, what will be the status of B'nai Israel if they keep his covenant, Pasuk Vav, Vatem Tzilim Mamlechat Kohanim V'gai Kadosh, and uh, you will be for me a nation of priests and a, a, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, etc. And in the very next verse, Pasuk Zion, Moshe came and he summoned these Kenim, the elders of Israel, and he placed in front of them all of these words, this proposal that God had made. Of course, we know what the people answer. The people answer, We will do everything that God says. And then at the end of Pasuk Tet, And Moshe returned uh, or brought back the words of the people to God. Now, if Moshe had been on top of the mountain and then he receives the proposal, he then, so to speak, brings it down to the Am, meaning he goes down. Um, and then he hears the Na'asef from the people, and then he's Vayashev, and then he returns it back to God. He goes back up. So again, the back and forth of Moshe, the Aliyah, and the Irida is connected or inherently related to um, his role as mediator uh, in the treaty negotiations between God and Am Yisrael. So if we think about uh, the entire Parak Yutet as a kind of story of Kritat Brit between God and Am Yisrael, uh, of the contracting of a covenant between God and Am Yisrael. And we talk about there being a kind of mediator or a, a, uh, a, med- a, a mediating agent in the contracting of this spirit, who is Moshe, who is both Olevi Oreid. And Moshe's function is, so to speak, to operate on both sides of the divide, to kind of bridge the divide. Well, if we think about that, I think on some level it's already not surprising that the very parsha. Um, shortly before the actual revelation of the Ten Commandments, comes back and emphasizes this point again, and I'd like to turn again to the language um, of the dialogue between God and Moshe. In Parakitat Pasuk of Aleph, Vayom HaShem Moshe, Ba'am Pen HaShem, so God tells Moshe to go down, and then, um, as part of the dialogue, again, uh, God tells him in Pasuk Kaftal, Vayom HaShem Lech Va'alita, go down, and then come back up, Really, right here, before we get to the point, God says, Moshe, go down, command them, come back. We see again Moshe in this role of intermediary, me, intermediary as mediating agent in the negotiations, uh, in the build-up uh, to the revelation. So I think on some level, uh, the placement of the parsha of dialogue right here, before the revelation of the Ten Commandments, fits with the general theme of Moshe as mediating agent, seeing him going back and forth, up and down, uh, throughout the entire parsha. So I think this should help mitigate our sense of surprise at the placement of the parsha here. It kind of fits in with the general theme and emphasizes this notion of Moshe as mediating agent. Now, I think while this is fundamentally correct, I think it is really just the surface of something much deeper, um, a kind of much deeper idea uh, that we can unpack here. Um, And to understand this, I would like to go back to um, the, maybe the fundamental aim uh, of Revelation, um, or maybe the fundamental purpose of Revelation declared by Parakutet, by the build-up to the Revelation uh, at Sinai, to be more precise. Um, Now, I've already referred to the idea of uh, Kritatsprit, um, the contracting of a covenant. If we go back to Parakitet, Pasuk Dalit again, it tells us as follows, 
You've seen what was done in Egypt. And then in the verse that we read previously, So there's going to be a covenant. And the people have to listen to the words of the covenant. And of course, if they listen to the words of the covenant, then they're going to be a special nation. The people accept this uh, idea. Well, um, it's not really clear what the relationship between the contracting of the covenant at Sinai is on the one hand, and all of the, the pyrotechnics, uh, the grand revelation that happens at Sinai on the other hand, that which we're usually uh, accustomed to thinking about as the central focus of, of Perikutet. Well, on some level, the answer is, is that the two are interconnected in, in a very interesting way. Um, what God says in Pasuk Yod Aleph is as follows, Be ready for the third day. God is going to come down on Tarsinai in front of all the people. We might say that uh, the revelation at Sinai is kind of a, a public revelation that seals the covenant, that seals the agreement. It's when the two sides come together and the agreement is sealed publicly, openly, in a grand fashion, and really the revelation is, so to speak, the stamp of approval, or the final signature on some plane of the covenant at Sinai, where it re- or really takes place. Um, uh, however, I think there's one pasuk which indicates that there may be another function uh, to, the, to the revelation at Sinai, besides simply that of covenant completion, or a covenant contraction. Um, in Parakutet, pasuk tet, God says to Moshe as follows, or to be more precise, the Torah says as follows, Vayomar Hashem el Moshe, God said to Moshe, Hinei anochi ba'elecha, I am coming to you, not to the people, but I'm coming specifically to you, Moshe, ba'av ha'anan, in a thick cloud, ba'avor yishma ha'am bidabri imach, so that the people will hear when I speak to you. Again, the focus is on Moshe, God is going to speak to Moshe, people are somewhat here on the outside. Vigam b'cha and also they will wind up believing in you forever. Now, this is altogether something different. Um, in addition to the idea of the public revelation sealing or completing or contracting the covenant, we have this idea that the people will hear God speak to Moshe, and by virtue of the people hearing God speak to Moshe, um, they will believe. What exactly is the emunah, or what exactly is this idea of emunah b'Moshe that is the second and additional purpose of the uh, revelation at Sinai? Well, this might be elucidated by noting that this is not the only place where we're told that something happens where by virtue of which the people are ma'amin, the people believe uh, in Moshe. And I'm thinking back to last week's parsha, a verse that we touched very briefly upon um, at the end of the Shi'ur last week. In Parak Yudalad, Pasuk Lamed Aleph, in the aftermath of Kriyat Yam Suf, we are told as follows. When the people see the Egyptians dead on the edge of the sea, the Torah describes this as the people saw the Yad HaGadolah, the great hand that God had worked upon Egypt. And the people were in awe of God. They greatly feared God. They believed in God. And in Moshe, his servant. Uh, now, it is not exactly clear what Vayaminu Bashem B'Moshe Avdo means, or what it means that they believed in Moshe, God's servant, but what this most probably means is something like the following. The people believe that Moshe was the agent 
by which God's miracles were wrought, were brought about in the world. Um, Moshe was the means by which God's power was manifest in the world. Um, Moshe uh, was the means that by which God acted in the physical world, uh, in the political realm, by which he saved them by Mitzrayim. That Moshe brought the power of God into the world in some real way, in the realm of miracles, in the world, in the realm of the physical realm, in the realm of politics or political action, redemption from Egypt, etc., etc. So I think um, when we talk about Emunah in the context of Sinai, or in Emunah in Moshe, in the context of Sinai, it means something very, very similar. Part of the purpose of um, the revelation at Sinai, as described in Parakutat, is exactly that Moshe serves as a kind of bridge uh, between God and the people, uh, where God is only yoreid upon the har, and the people are not really allowed to go up at all. Um, it is Moshe who stands in the middle, and not just serves as negotiator, uh, as mediator in that sense, but he, in the end of the day, is the one who brings the Torah into the world. Moshe has a crucial function in um, the manifestation of God's spiritual power in the world, in the manifestation of God's holiness in the world, in the giving of the Torah. Moshe is the means, is the agent by which the Torah is brought into the world, and I think that is the idea of the gam b'chayamil olam. Um, the people will learn to understand that it is through the means of Moshe that the gap between the upper and the lower is bridged, that the revelation takes place and the Torah is brought into the world. So I think, um, if we put this all together, uh, it is not just that Moshe is the mediator uh, in Parakutet and the up and the down uh, that occurs with Moshe standing in the middle, that Moshe goes both up and down, uh, emphasizes this role of uh, mediator between the two sides contracting the covenant, but I think also uh, the aliyah virida, the up and down, the fact that both of these symbols refer to Moshe, that Moshe stands in the middle, is part of the idea of Moshe being the agent by which the Torah, which the spiritual power of God is brought into the world, by which the revelation at Sinai takes place. He is the one who manages to create this bridge and facilitate the uh, revelation in the world, or God uses him as a vessel, and it is part of this emphasis of the unique role of Moshe that um, I think our parsha at the end comes and reiterates. Here, at the very end, right before the revelation itself, right before the Aserah the Debrot is spoken, we receive or we're told another parsha. Moshe, go down and then come back up. Be in the middle. Because this is symbolic of the fact that Moshe is in the middle and the one who brings the Torah to Am Yisrael. Moshe descends, he commands the people, Moshe ascends, he receives the Torah, and all of this fits in nicely with the general idea of Moshe standing in the middle, of being the means by which the Torah is given uh, at uh, Har Sinai.